welcome to episode 14 of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me is my co-host, Nick. Nick, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very, very well. I'm excited for this week's episode. I have a good feeling about uh, about the song lineup we have. Cool. And I uh, can't wait to get into it. Yeah, how's, uh, how's your week going? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. I um, As I was saying off air, I... Uh, I got to miss a few days of work uh, to get, I had to get tested for COVID. I had right. a cold. Um, luckily that came back negative and um, yeah, I got to have a nice little vacation while I got the results back. So cool. feeling good, feeling refreshed. Yeah, I was away for a few days. I went up to the, to the beach uh, around Noosa and uh, spent three days up there enjoying the sunshine, uh, taking pictures of the sea, uh, walking in the ocean. It was fun. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. There's nothing like, I, I must admit, being sort of winter in Australia now, when I say winter, it was 24 degrees. Uh, being winter and being at the beach is one of my favorite things to do. It's, it is it is an amazing experience. Yeah, and, and Noosa is a beautiful area too. Uh, we went there when I was when I was visiting you with my dad. Um, yeah. yeah. It was a very nice area. Very good beach. Yeah, we got, I bought you a surfing lesson. Do you remember how, do you remember how well you did? Yeah, I did awful. <laughs> I was, at, uh, to be fair, I was 10 years old. Uh, my hand-eye coordination was not great, um, but I, I'm not a natural surfer is what we discovered. I think, didn't you get on the board once? Um, if you can call it getting on the board, I, I was up for, you know, maybe a second or two. Yeah. But I mean, it was, it was fun. Great experience. Great story. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, I, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. That was a fun day. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And with us, as always, is our engineer, Darren, in our Brisbane studios. Darren, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Darren. All right, Nick, I'm going first this week. Yes, you are. And I'm very excited about this song. So we're going to listen to uh, a Nick Cave song called Nobody's Baby Now. It is one of my all-time favorite songs, and I'm going to get into this song pretty in-depthly. Pretty in so, uh, Darren, just hit play. <laughs> the holy books I tried to unravel the mystery of Jesus Christ the Savior All right. I just kind of realized that in-depthly is probably not a word, so I'm going to get into the song in great detail. How's that? I think that's better. That's That sounds more grammatically that sounds, correct. That, that sounds more grammatically correct. <laughs> yes, yeah, I totally yes. made up a in-depthly. All right, Nick. Tell me, what did you think of uh, of my man, Nick Cave? All right. So, um, you know, confession time. Uh, I, I did know Nick Cave before this song um, because of their song Red Right Hand, which is uh, it's like a theme song for one of my favorite shows, Peaky Blinders. Um, I love that song. It's a, Red Right Hand's fantastic. So I was very curious and excited to hear another Nick Cave song. And I was not let down at all because, uh, honestly, this is a fantastic song. Like, truly, truly enjoyed listening to this. I had it on constantly over the last week. All right, so let me tell you my, my relationship with this song. Uh, this came out in 1994 off an album called Let, uh, Let Love In. I distinctly remember the first time I heard this song because Nick Cave's voice is absolutely amazing. That deep baritone, you'll never forget it once you hear it. I love it. 
I was at I was at work. I was working in a bar in Oakville called the Brick House, which was owned by your aunt Patrice. Uh, so I was a I was a cook. I, I was cooking in this restaurant, and I had a little transistor radio next to me when I would cook. And you know, most of the time, it wasn't a very busy place. And I was listening to one hundred two point one The Edge, and this song came on, and. It's so unlike any other music that was coming out in 1994. So if you think about 1994, grunge had, was on its sort of uh, downslide, but it was there's a lot of grunge-like music happening. And then when you hear it in this Nick Cave song against all that music, it just stood out unbelievably. And I fell in love with Nick Cave as soon as I heard that song. Yeah, I, I was pretty much the exact same way. As soon as it came on, I was hooked right away because just the way the instrumental opens up so low-key and uh, like complex and dynamic at, while staying low-key, it's, it's very interesting and catchy right away. But then once Nick Cave's uh, baritone vocals, as you said, come in, it just cuts through so well and like it, it just hit me, you know? It's, it's one of those ones where it feels, you can feel it going through your ears and just hitting some part of your brain that loves it. Yeah. It's a very foreboding song. Uh, Nick Cave does not write typically happy pop songs. I cannot think of one Nick Cave song that's like a poppy, happy song. His music is very foreboding. Uh, and this song is, is no exception. It is, uh, you know, when I first heard it, I wasn't, was he talking about a past girlfriend? Um, you know, was it someone that he loved that sort of, they broke up? And then it sort of dawned on me as I got a little bit older that the song was actually about a girl who had died. Uh, and that her death, uh, he was singing about basically a dead girl that he that he once loved. Oh, you know, I see. I didn't make that connection at first, yeah. but I've I've got the lyrics up right now, um, and, and yeah, I totally see that. Yeah, uh, talking about her her winter lips as cold as stone, and yeah. and being in the the dress that he loved best, and, and all that. Yeah. That's yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah, he is a dark mofo. I'll, I'll give Nick Cave that. He he does. He writes some very interesting songs. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I get that impression just from this song and the other one I know. Um, but despite yeah. despite him writing about dark subject matter, his lyrics and the way he writes about it are so poetic and descriptive. Like, yeah, it's it's very much unlike any other um, you know mainstream pop or rock songs where the lyrics aren't they're not much to to write home about. This is very, very well written. Like he's he's brilliant at writing song lyrics. We could this podcast, if we wanted to, could just be a Nick Cave podcast. There is so much to go into with Nick Cave that we could just write, just have endless, endless episodes just about Nick Cave. That's how uh, important and as extensive his work is. I, you know, I've I'll definitely be exploring more of his discography. That's that's for sure. This is one of those songs. Um, where after, after you've shown me and I've listened to it, I immediately just want to go listen to more. I've held off until now. I wanted to wait for the podcast, uh, um, see what else you would say, but I, I can't wait to, to listen to more. I think I'm going to give the album that this is from and also Red Right Hand is on it. I'm going to yes. give that whole album a listen. Well, the album that came after this one was called The Murder Ballads. As you can imagine, every single song on the album was about murdering someone. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this guy. Uh, it, it's it's an incredible album, but you have to then sort of remember that each song is about killing people. Uh, yeah. There is a song on the album called Stagger Lee. If you ever want to be disgusted, creeped out, but yet love a song, 
you have to listen to Staggerly. It okay. It is it's amazing and disgusting all in all in one. It's uh it's 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 some kind of piece of art, I'll tell you that. Is it um is it as disgusting as uh that, that Limp Bizkit song about the hot dog water? Oh it's it's disgusting in a very different way. <laughs> uh okay. yeah. I, uh it's not for the faint of heart. Uh if you do want to listen to Stagger Lee, be prepared for confronting lyrics and a confronting theme. But if you don't mind um the light fantastic on the dark side of things, then that is a song for you. I I feel like when I listen to Nick Cave, the, the way to do it is in a dark room all by myself with a glass of whiskey. That's that's what Nick Cave is is like to me. Yeah. Uh, Nick Cave really came into his own in uh in, in the year 83, 84. He had he was in a band called The Birthday Party. Uh so Nick Cave is originally from Australia. He was in a band called The Birthday Party, and they were based out of London, and they moved the band to Berlin. Uh, they soon broke up uh, when they moved to Berlin, but that started uh, Nick Cave's sort of heroin phase in 1984 and, and on. Uh, yes, the heroin uh, phase. The heroin phase. Uh, I think the heroin phase in Berlin sort of go hand in hand in, in a yeah. lot of ways. Uh, and that's when he started to release some really dark music um, was uh, was when uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds sort of started in 1984. Well, I, yeah. I hope he's off the heroin now, but um, it sounds like it inspired some creative music. Yeah, he has a very, I, I don't know if you if you know what uh, Nick Cave looks like. Uh, the best way to describe it is an emaciated vampire. <laughs> he has very jet black hair, but he's really skinny and, and uh, looks emaciated. So yeah, it kind of looks like an emaciated vampire. That's the best way uh-huh. to describe him. I'm not surprised. I mean, that's, I feel like this music should come from an emaciated vampire. You yeah. Know what I mean, it just sounds right. He, he's obsessed with religion, especially the Old Testament. Uh, a lot of his music is about good versus evil or evil versus good, if, if you will. Uh, sure. Yeah. So he, um, he's written a couple movies. He's, he's acted in some movies. He's, he's released a few books. Um, my favorite movie that he wrote or co-wrote is a movie called The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. He co-wrote that movie? He co-wrote the movie. Have you seen it? No way. No, I haven't seen it. Um, yeah, amazing it's like, movie. It's like three and a half hours long. It's very intimidating. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I'm aware of how good it's supposed to be. Yeah, Brad Pitt plays um, Jesse James in, in the movie. Um, great movie, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies. He also co-wrote The Road, which I don't know if you've ever seen oh. The Road. But that's a messed up movie, yeah. So I, I haven't seen that one either, but I've read the book. Very yeah. depressing book. And honestly, from what you've told me about Nick Cave, I 100% believe that he would write The Road, the the movie treatment for that, because yeah. what a depressing story. For, for anyone that doesn't know, any listeners, The Road is um, it's a story about a father and son just uh, traveling this post-apocalyptic wasteland and and they run into to cannibals and um, it's, it's just, it's horrifying. It's it so is a, dark and disturbing. It is a very, it is a very dark movie. Yeah. Uh, his best known songs are probably, uh, there's three, uh, Into My Arms, uh, which is an amazing song, uh, Where the Wild Roses Grow, uh, which uh, features Kylie Minogue on the song. And uh, if you do listen to that song, just, 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 a, just a hint, it is on the murder ballad, so it doesn't end well. <laughs> and right, okay. red. Red Right Hand is, uh, as you mentioned, there's probably his, his best known songs. Yeah. Yeah. Red Right Hand, like that's, uh, it's crazy. That song is in the DNA of Peaky Blinders. They play Absolutely. it before, at the beginning of ever. Have, have you seen the show? I have. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. But they, yeah. they get a lot of mileage out of that song. 
the really clever thing about Nick Cave too is that he will not accept awards. Um, he just refuses to be uh, even put into uh, like award categories. He will not even accept n- nominations. Uh, he says that if he was to accept awards or nominations, he feels like his muse would just go away and he would never be able to write music again. So he refuses all awards that he that he might win. That's really cool. I like yeah. that. I um I that reminds me of uh, last year when Kanye West uh, released a video of him pissing on his Grammy trophy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Very very similar uh, vibes there. At um, uh, Michael Hutchins' uh, funeral, do you know who Michael Hutchins is? No, I do not. Michael Hutchins was the lead singer of uh, a band called In Excess, who died. Oh. Probably 10, 12 years ago. Maybe later than that. Probably even. I would say probably maybe twenty years ago. And uh, he died in sort of very mysterious circumstances. Uh, he hung himself, but people aren't really sure if he hung himself because he was suicidal, if he hung himself due to a, a mishap in a sexual adventure. Uh, so, yeah, so there's a little bit of uh, what did Michael Hutchins do, basically. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he actually performed uh, into uh, into my arms into uh, at his funeral. But he made, and the funeral was televised live in Australia, but he made the TV turn off the cameras before he performed the song. Damn, I like that. It sounds like he has a, a lot of artistic integrity, something Absolutely. I respect quite a bit. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So I, again, we could, this entire podcast could just be about Nick Cave. Um, I've never seen him live, unfortunately. That is something I have to change. Uh, hopefully he'll, because we do live in Australia, he does tour Australia quite a bit. I don't think he lives here anymore, but he does play Australia a lot. Um, so I'm hoping that one day, uh, he's in his 60s now, uh, but I'm hoping that I get to, to see him play uh, live soon. That would be fantastic. That'd yeah. be a, a really, really good show. Yeah. So um, yeah, please explore his uh, his other songs. He is one of those artists that um, you know should be carved on, on in stone and and put put aside next to like David Bowie and uh, Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Like he's to me, he's that important. Wow. No, I, I can definitely see that, and I will be sure to explore some more of his catalog. I'm very intrigued by what I've heard so far. Do you remember in the Harry Potter movie, uh, Deathly Hallows, the first one, when Harry and Hermione dance to that song, that really awkward dance that they do? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a Nick Cave song. So that's Nick Cave. Ah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, he's sort of, uh, people sneak him into popular culture whenever whenever they can. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah he's, he's up there. He's, he's one of the greats. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for putting me on yeah. to Nick Cave. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what I think of his, yeah, of his albums. Cool. And Darren, what did you think of uh, of this song? Yeah, I like it. I like Nick Cave and I yeah, like Where Do the Wild Roses Grow. It's even a messed if up it ends that way. It, yeah. it is a messed up album, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it is. It's a really <laughs> messed up album. So again, if you do decide to listen to the murder ballads, be warned, it is a every song's about a murder. So yeah. And I think there's like twelve or thirteen songs on that album. So yeah. It's a lot of murders. A lot of murders. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, thanks, Nick. I'm I'm really glad you liked that song. I did, I did, and uh, I believe that brings us to my song for yep. the week. Go for it. So, uh, after we were finished recording last week's episode, you told me that you're going to the beach for a few days, as we talked about at the, the top of this show. And right away, once you said that, I I knew exactly uh, what I had to do, and so I told you to listen to Slide. Slide is a song from. 
the producer slash DJ Calvin Harris. Uh, he released an album in 2017. This song features Frank Ocean, who we talked about in our very first episode, as well as Quavo and Offset, which are two-thirds of the Atlanta hip-hop trio Migos. So without further ado, uh, Darren, why don't you just hit play on slide? Whatever comes, comes to clear. Do you slide on all your nights like this? Do you try on all your nights like this? I might put some spotlight on the side. And whatever comes, comes to clear. All this jewelry ain't no use when this day is dark. It's my favorite part. We see the lights they got so far. It went too fast. All right. So, please tell me what you thought of Slide. You know, when that song started, it starts off really, really mellow. And I'm, and I'm thinking, why did he get me to listen to the song The Beach? Because it starts off a very slow, slow-paced song. After a, a few seconds, it then the beat kicks in. I'm like, oh, okay, this is why he got me to listen to this song. It is such a, a happy, uh, bounce-in-your-step kind of song. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love this song because, to me, it sounds like summer distilled into its purest form and then turned into music. That's, that's exactly how I think of this song. Yeah, it's a great song uh, to listen to when you're driving, windows down, you're at the beach, you know, uh, you know, the sun's up to your right, you can see the ocean, the sun just sort of plays. It's a great song for that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, I, I, I really would not be doing the song justice without talking about its influence. And, uh, honestly, this song, I, it's really a defining song for my generation and people my age, and that's not a very hyperbolic statement at all. Like, it's in every summer playlist I've ever made. Um, you know, it, you, you put that on, uh, you know, any kind of summer function, and anyone my age immediately starts vibing to it dancing singing along it really it was a it's one of those songs where you just you distinctly remember memories associated with you know the time it first came out and a lot of those memories are, are what you said driving uh, you know summer day windows down you're blasting this song it's just I there's something about it that's just so infectious and it really resonated with, with a lot of people my age I think yeah I, I can see that it, it's got such a timeless sort of feel to it um, I, I will say one one little little dig I'm gonna give to this song. There is a little bit of auto tune in this song. I kind of wish that they would just sing better instead of having to use <laughs> auto tune. I was like, just sing well, and you don't have to use the auto tune. But again, that's a little quibble coming from a 47 year old man who doesn't particularly like auto tune. I'll just say that. Yeah. So I, I believe the auto tune you're talking about is um, when when the members of the Migos come in yeah. uh, after Frank's hook and, and his first verse. They um, so they're a trap rap trio. Sure. Um, you know they're they're very they were pioneers of, of auto tune and in, in rap really, um, and you know they they use it quite a bit. They they really like um, you know vocalizing with it and, and just creating those kind of uh, digital distorted sounding vocals. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely an acquired sound. But you know, for people my age, where the, the Migos have been releasing music, popular music for so long, it's just kind of ingrained in our in our ears. You know, to uh, to like it, <laughs> you could say. Yeah, I just you know you can create atmosphere with your voice. You know, go high, go low, hit different melodies. Uh, but again, hey, just a little quibble. Yeah, no, I I get it, I get it. Um, so 
one thing I, I really also love about this song is it it blends together uh, a few different sounds and influences like Calvin Harris, who, you know, produced and, and put together this song. He is an EDM DJ uh, producer. Like that's what he makes. He makes dance music. That's that's what he got famous for. Um, you know, his his big thing his whole career has been um, what he did on this song, getting really big pop artists to feature on more so uh, EDM dance dance type songs. And with this one, he he really just went crazy on the instrumental. I think you know he he's got the the piano that it opens up with, and then all of a sudden the beat drops, and you've got really hip hop flavored drums. But then the tempo and, and everything else about the song is just all dance music and even a little bit disco. Um, so I, I think it's really cool what he did with the the beat there. Yeah, it's a, really, then, good, it's a really good mash, isn't it, of different of, of different styles? It's a very good match, and it's it's something that I think can only be pulled off by someone like Calvin Harris, who's he's been around for you know his his career is very long. He's he's worked with so many high profile artists, and at this stage in his career, he's very adept at mixing sounds and uh, you know making collaborations that you wouldn't really expect to to sound well. Um, so yeah, he he did a number on this song. It's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit weird because everyone associates this song with Frank Ocean because, you know, he, he kind of carries it, but you know, it is, on, it is under Calvin Harris's name. It is on his album. Uh, and I think, I think he deserves a lot of credit for his role on this song. I must admit when I see, um, thousands and thousands of people go to a concert that's featuring a DJ, I kind of shake my head a little bit because it's not that exciting. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like uh, again, this is a, a very generational thing. I I could not see myself going to a stadium with thousands of other people to see a guy spin records. See, I I don't know if I could go to like a stadium show or an arena show, but I I would love to be at a club night in Las Vegas where he's performing. Like I think that would be yes, I think that, that'd be cool. You know, I think I think the venue is important. I could also see myself going to a club and seeing a guy spin records. But there are thousands of people that go to these concerts, and I don't get it. Yeah, I I've never really been been too into like the EDM genre or or scene. Um, it's just not really my thing. But yeah. it's it's extremely popular, uh, especially with young people. I I feel yeah. like um, you know I may be unfairly generalizing here, but I feel like there's a, a healthy amount of of substances involved at uh, at festivals like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, there would be. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm sure makes it very fun. Uh, but, I, I can imagine. But that's nothing different. Like when I was going to like Lollapalooza and a lot of festivals back in the nineties and stuff like that, that is just part and parcel of going to a, going to one of those shows. You get really high or you, you take pills or, or a tab of some kind. That's, that's just what you do. Yeah. It, it just yeah. comes with the territory, but yeah. um, yeah, I, I, I think it's just, you know, being with that many people and just, and just dancing to the, the music. I mean, it's, it's tailor made to get people moving and jumping. Right. So I, I, I can see the appeal, but it's not really for me. Who's that um, that redheaded British Muppet guy who uh, plays just an acoustic guitar and, and, and people flock to him to see him? What's Ed, his name? Ed, Ed Sheeran? Ed Sheeran. I don't get Ed Sheeran. I don't get him oh, either. Oh, see, I, I like Ed Sheeran. I think he's a really, really talented singer. Yes. But I would I, like I to would... see him in a club. I Why people would go see Ed Sheeran in a coliseum or, or a stadium baffles me. Yes, I completely agree. And I will say, um, I think Ed Sheeran's 
the the creative artistic quality of Ed Sheeran's music definitely declined after he achieved this pop megastar status. But if you listen to some of his earlier um, EPs, like just his four song EPs or mixtapes when he was really young, that he, there's some very very good songwriting on on those things. He's you know you you can hear how desperate he is to just make it in the music industry and and. Yeah, it's it's really good, but I I agree with you. Some of his newer stuff, it's like, I don't I don't know if I would you know really want to go to a stadium to to see it. I'll t- I'll tell you what, if Ed Sheeran ever plays my local coffee house, I might go see him. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. Um, it, we 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 won't spend too long on Ed Sheeran, but um, I I was listening to oh his Hot Ones interview. Uh, if you're not familiar with Hot Ones, the the interview on YouTube where they eat the hot wings yep. and yep, yep yeah, I so am. he yep. he had an episode of Hot Ones and. Uh, the interviewer Sean Evans asked him about uh, you know his earlier gigs when he was playing really small venues and he was saying he spent a lot of time going to just open mics and stuff in London um, and he did that for a couple of years but the best show he ever played the best reception he ever got was he went to America and went to a slam poetry night yeah. um, and and performed and because he was so different from everyone getting up and doing poetry you know he here was this a uh, nerdy looking British kid with an acoustic guitar brought the house down. Apparently I, I feel like an intimate venue like that would be a really cool place to see him. Yeah. Strangely, he lived in Jamie Foxx's house for a while and Jamie Foxx sort of set him up in America. Strangely enough, um, why I know this, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he Are lived a closeted, in- closeted Ed Sheeran fan. Oh, I didn't remember his name. So let's, uh, let's say no. <laughs> Okay. okay, but uh, I just I just know stupid things. Yeah, but yeah, getting leaving Ed Sheeran at the coffee house where he's performing or should be performing. I really dug this song. I thought it was such a lovely, lovely song. Well, it's great. I'm I'm glad to hear it. Uh, one of my uh, favorite fun facts about this song is in the beginning when when Frank Ocean's got these pitched vocals uh, and he's just going over the sparse piano. He says um, he might empty his bank account and buy that boy with a pipe. And so what he's singing about there is actually a Pablo Picasso painting named Boy with a Pipe that sold for $103 million at an art auction around the time this song came out. So basically Frank Ocean's just saying like he might just mess around and and, and blow $100 million on a painting, which I think is a, it's a pretty cool flex. It's funny you say that. I just watched a documentary last night about fraud, uh, like fraudulent pieces of art. And how many pieces of art are being sold um, that are just fakes and spell, selling for hundreds of millions of dollars, and they later prove to be fake? So that that's that's kind of funny, yeah. God, I would be so sick if I spent a hundred million dollars on a painting and it turned out to be fake. Yeah, it, it seems to be Jackson Pollock. Uh, it seems to be um, there's a lot of Jack, Jackson Pollock fakes out there, and China has a whole industry of recreating paintings and selling it to Western people. That's unreal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. China's amazing. Yeah. They, um, they, they really replicate whatever they can over there. Yeah. Uh, again, complete side story. There's a famous uh, Canadian who owns a winery and he sold a lot of uh, ice wine in China and he set up an office and had employees and his business lasted for three years until someone ripped off his label and put it on bottles of wine where they just added sugar to the wine and oh his, his sales plummeted. So China is a very interesting bootleg kind of, kind of country. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, no intellectual property laws there. That's for sure. No, there is not. No. no. 
Yeah. Well, uh, what a great song. Uh, you're right. When you picked this song for me to listen to while I was away at the beach, it fit it fitted perfectly. So that was great. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, the most uh, challenging or um, artistic song in the world, but it really just it's got good vibes. It's it's infectious. And, you know, it it just makes me feel good. And um, yeah. I'm glad to hear it had a similar effect on you or you yeah. spend it, some time at the beach. Yeah, I would say this is a great song. It's a very light, airy song. It dances on sunlight. If you're at the beach, if you're going for a walk and you just want to hear something that'll just make you bounce. This is that song. Absolutely. Absolutely. Should we ask Darren what he thought? Yeah, I'm curious. Darren, what did you think of Slide? I much preferred the Nick Cave song. All right. Fair enough. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Darren. Yeah. No, great, great song, uh, Nick. I really love that one. Good. Good. All right. That pretty much wraps up the podcast. Uh, So let's talk about how people can get a hold of us. Uh, We have a Facebook page. Uh, So I'm decided today that I'm going to go in a little bit more in a blog style on our Facebook page. I'm going to write a lot more about the songs that we listen to and why we chose the songs that we listen to. Uh, so I just released a, a post today about the ZZ Top song that we listened to last week. Uh, so each week you'll, you're going to see on the Facebook page a lot more in-depth comments. I was just mostly just pus- putting out links and, and different songs that we were listening to. But yeah, I'm going to definitely go into much more depth uh, on that Facebook page. So please check it out and comment on it. And Nick, how can they get a hold of us? So you can get a hold of us by emailing just hit play podcast 7300 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at just hit play podcast. Please shoot us an email, send us a DM. Uh, we'd love to chat with you. Yeah. And we also have a, a Spotify playlist where you can hear all these songs. Again, us talking about the songs is one thing, but you really have to listen to these songs. Go on the, uh, the playlist on Spotify so you can, so you can listen to these little little pieces of art. Um, I yeah, listen to us all day long. That's great, but we're here for the music. At the end of every episode, we like to play a song by an independent artist. This week's independent artist is Leighton Hegard and her song "Cherry Chapstick." I asked her to write uh, her to write a little bit about what the song's about and what her uh, influences are, and this is what she wrote. She co-wrote Cherry Chapstick with an artist called Dizzy Faye, who is super talented, and we'll put a, a link to in the show notes to Dizzy Faye. The idea behind the song was a summer romance in high school, a blissful time, carefree, while still trying to figure out life while having vivid memories of her wearing cherry chapstick. Creating this bedroom pop song was a huge release for her and her OCD struggles. Music has been such a great uh, way to cope and feel free from anxiety, and this song truly embodies that for her. She's inspired by many artists around the world. She adores Claro, Lana Del Rey, Billie Eilish, Tim Impala, and Alan Raymond. And this is her song, Cherry Chapstick. Just hit play, Darren. I remember when all the small things stuck out. We snuck out smoking on the roof and I couldn't hold you like I did You blame the smoke and now we're in my room again Acting paranoid, looking through old photos of a good time It's a good life
miss me, never let me